0: And we're back with vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. And Dr. Gorfinkel, a lot of talk the last couple of days. As a matter of fact, this is one of our top trending items right now at globalnews.ca about yet another new variant of COVID. This is something called, I think, C12. What do we know about it?
1: I think, are you talking about the MU variant, that the variant of concern?
0: That it's, is correct, yes. <laughs>
1: okay, so I want to I say it in its new technological term, which is MU, M-U, and what's interesting is that it accounts for only one in a thousand cases right now globally. Where it's a big deal is in Colombia and in Ecuador. So this is called a variant of interest. It's not yet a variant of concern. And that's a very important differential thing because the World Health Organization is keeping an eye on it. So it's not in pandemic numbers just yet, but it could move in that direction. So as a such, it's called a variant of interest. They're watching it. So it'll graduate, hopefully it will not, into a variant of concern once it's really a much larger proportion. But the big concern about MU is, can it escape our immune system better? So can it escape the immunity we have from vaccines? Can it escape the immunity people would have from natural infections? And it has a certain group of mutations to this virus that would allow it to do just that. But so what? Does that mean it's going to graduate to become a variant of concern? It remains to be seen. Let's hope not.
0: All right. Whether it's a variant of interest or a variant of concern, I think we can understand everybody's a concern about uh, the talk of any sort of uh, new variant. And of course, there's also a lot of concern still about the Delta variant uh, out there. And what would you say to those that, uh, you know, get a little anxious when they hear about this? Is this to be expected? I mean, what does your experience tell you with the vaccines and uh, with viruses here? I mean, are different variants of COVID-19, is this something we're going to be talking about for some time?
1: You know, we've gotten so spoiled here in Canada. You know, we're so lucky that so many of us are so vaccinated. That's just not the case for most of the world, especially for low-income countries, where the vast, vast majority, we're talking 99 percent, don't even have one vaccine, let alone two. They don't have any access. And that's one of the major problems of vaccine hoarding. Because variants like the Mu and other variants of concern, we have yet to hear about a whole slew of these because they are forming as we speak. Every single case represents yet another opportunity for that virus to mutate into some form that turns out to be either more infectious or allows it to escape our immune system. So let's not let's be realistic about that. And that's precisely why the World Health Organization lands so hard on, let's stop the hoarding, and let's share with low-income countries. Because in truth, this goes back to that question you asked me, what if we could handle it as one country? I turn that question around, and I ask you, what if we could handle this pandemic as a single world? Mm-hmm. That's a big thought. But the fact of the matter is, we could really keep the numbers down that way.
0: All right. Meanwhile, also making headlines, Health Canada warning people against using a drug intended for horses to combat COVID. Uh, What's going on here? Uh, Why are people doing this, Dr. Gorfinkel?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. So we've landed on a whole slew of things that haven't worked. Let's go through that list. Chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D. Like we would love a simple solution. What is ivermectin anyway? So here's a drug that is used to treat river blindness. Okay, so it's caused by black fly bites. And what happened, you know, so I think this was sometime last year, there was a study that came out. Now this was a very poor quality study. And it said, treat with ivermectin and the patient seemed to get better. Big problem because when they did the randomized control trial, the standard of care in determining how effective a treatment is, it didn't turn out to be effective at all. It was kind of useless. So what happened? You still have people who are holding on to the hope that this drug would do something when in fact it does zip all. So it's it's a useless drug, and what's wound up happening is that people who genuinely need it for what it's known to prevent, which is river blindness, can't get it. You know, and there are other indications too. And the drug is now in short supply. Which yeah, is really because
0: uh, we're hearing reports of people calling veterinarians looking for this.
1: Well, you know, if you take a look at antibiotic usage in general, it's much higher in veterinarian populations than it is in humans. You know, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they're turning to the vets to try to get it. And the veterinarians are doing the responsible thing, which is leave us alone, folks. Ivermectin doesn't do a a thing. So what's the point? It's, It's actually, if anything, it does damage in terms of making people believe that it has some benefit. It has zero benefit. So, you know, we have to go with what we know works. Vaccination keeps people out of hospital. Vaccination prevents severe disease, period. Mitigation. Yeah, we need to do that. Mandates. Like, it's this whole constellation of things we're doing, along with the vaccine passports. And we've even seen a little bit of this vaccine lottery business, and that seems to get a few people on board as well.
0: All right. Just uh, finally, Dr. Gorfick, I want to ask you about back to school because that is coming next week. And just how concerned are you? How much of a super spreader event could the return to the classroom and back to school be, do you
1: think? I'm concerned about it, you know, because, as I had mentioned, we know Delta is more than twice as contagious. But what we do depends on making sure that everyone is as vaccinated as possible who can be. Of course, children 11 and under don't qualify for vaccinations. So there we have to rely on the mitigation strategies that we know are effective. And I cannot ignore, no, you know, no one should ignore the potential for air hygiene. We've got to maximize our air hygiene, just like hand hygiene. Air hygiene is making sure that windows and doors are kept open, making sure that box fans are not pointing toward children, and neither are air conditioning units pointing toward children or their teachers. Ideally, teachers would get vaccinated, in all of them. We saw that case in California. What happened was terrible. One unvaccinated teacher who had happened to be symptomatic managed to infect the majority of children in her class. So it's a big concern. Fortunately, kids do not generally get sick, but they certainly can transmit it to others.
0: Mm -hmm. How soon can we expect a vaccine for those under 12?
1: We have such great hopes for hearing some data by September, but the Food and Drug Administration in the United States and Health Canada are carefully watching the risk for myocarditis in individuals 4 to 11. And for that reason, the FDA has demanded that both Pfizer and Moderna get an additional 3,000 children into their trial. So that's going to make it a little longer. You know, we're not going to have the data as soon as we hoped. So until that time, we simply have to rely on mitigation. Hopefully by the end of the year, Health Canada will be looking at some preliminary data.
0: All right, Uh, Dr. Gorfinkel, a lot to cover here on this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Thank you so much for breaking it all down for us. And thank you as well for adjusting your uh, schedule and joining us a little later than usual. Much appreciated. All the best. All right, there's Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher on the latest COVID headlines, the biggest of which happened an hour ago. The Ontario government announcing proof of vaccination in select settings, including restaurants, bars, nightclubs, gyms, sporting events, movies and concerts, all beginning September the 22nd. We're now hearing from the NDP leader, Andrea Horvath. Uh, Let's listen in for her comments on this just announced proof of vaccination.
2: I want to start by uh, making a a short statement. You know, here we are again, and uh, we're in a situation where our premier, uh, Doug Ford, could have gotten ahead of this uh, this issue, could have gotten out in front of the uh, vaccine certificate Issue, but once again, his actions are far too late, and they're they're of a bare minimum standard. Uh, it's very apparent that uh, he was playing politics with public health for weeks now, and so here we are. We're on our back foot. We are on our back foot when it comes to the vaccination certificate. We're over a month behind. British Columbia and Quebec, and the fourth wave is, uh, is, is upon us. Uh, and of course, kids are, are going back into schools literally in a couple of days time. This looks like a pretty hastily slapped together plan by the premier. It leaves a lot of businesses out on their own to make some pretty tough decisions. Uh, and it puts people uh, at risk. It looks like this government is more interested in not offending anti vaxxers than it is in protecting Ontarians. I think we have to uh, identify that uh, this certificate plan needs to consider equity issues n- and not leave anyone behind. It can't be just for folks who have smartphones. Uh, and we don't, uh, we're, I was shocked, frankly, to see that yet again, uh, there's really nothing in place to deal with that equity. Uh, Once again, it's an afterthought. Uh, Apparently, they're going to cook up something, uh, but who knows what and who knows when. So where we are is pretty much where we've always been. Playing catch up and concerned about how that's going to impact the people of our province. So on that note, I'll I'll take any questions that folks might, might All have. All right, and
0: we'll break in there. There's NDP leader Andrea Horvath calling these uh, actions too late. This proof of vaccination set to begin September 22nd. Also went on, as you just heard to say or hear her say, call it a bare minimum when it comes to standards. And also charging that the Ontario government and the Premier Doug Ford playing politics with public health and is more interested in not offending anti-vaxxers than keeping people safe.